Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I am a bilingual cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling using the EFT method, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, dream analysis, and also provide life, business, and retirement coaching support. I provide individual one-on-one session in English or French, and also do group settings. If you need any assistance, reach out to DMV Therapy and Coaching Services at 301-325-1550, and our website can be found at lifecoachdanamzalag.com. Today, I'm very excited to have for our seventh episode of season seven, a very special guest, T. Renee Smith. And just like every of my past episodes, I will leave it up to the guests to properly introduce themselves as no one can do a better job. Renee, the floor is yours. Hey guys, I am T. Renee Smith. I am the CEO of iSuccess Consulting. And put simply, guys, I am a recovering workaholic, probably just like so many of you guys. And the shift came from me for my internal happiness is when I learned to chase purpose uh, instead of chasing the money and the prosperity. So I'm so excited to be here with you guys. Good. Thank you so much for uh, being here, actually. Um, now, tell us a bit about your story. I mean, you, you talk about purpose, you talk about uh, like, you know, material stuff that was, you know, that was your what you were running after. So what did it how did it all originate from? So it's funny because I knew early on, probably when I was about five, that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. My mom told me that I just like telling people what to do. And (laughs) so uh, I actually interned with several companies like AT&T and Coca-Cola Enterprises. And I just knew that that was not my journey. I knew that for me, I wanted to be an entrepreneur, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. So probably like a lot of the listeners, they have something on the inside of them that they enjoy doing, that they're passionate about, but they just don't know how to make it into um, a business or even to incorporated within their career. So mine, I just kind of stumbled upon it. And so I often tell people that they are looking uh, for their purpose to be something huge or for something to be big, and really just kind of looking at um, the things that you really enjoy in life. And so I started my first company when I was 19, went extremely well. um, And then probably about 10 years later, it crashed and burned. Um, I got into some legal trouble. And unfortunately, I had to spend some time away at a federal prison camp. When I was there, though, it was the biggest blessing in disguise because I was able to slow down and really be able to hear God's voice for me. And that's where my purpose was actually birthed. So the same things that I'm doing now with small businesses and other entrepreneurs, it was actually birthed there. So, so many times we look at our circumstances and we're shameful of them. But oftentimes those circumstances, as I always say, God can turn your mess into your message. Wow. Okay. So do you think that whatever happened to you um, in jail was actually uh, a blessing in disguise, which allowed you to be able to really find your purpose in life? Because before you were just, like you say, chasing money, you were chasing opportunities and you were blinded by everything else. Because for you, it was just about getting Jeff Bezos wealth and, you know, focusing too much on that. So what did you learn in jail that allowed you to be able to find your purpose quicker? 
So I think what happens is all of us um, have the intuitive ability to tap into the divine, whatever you call it, God, higher power. But most of the time we're so busy and we're moving and it's not that the divine is not speaking. We just aren't able to hear it. So I think for me, that was a time for me to sit down and to be able to hear other people. It happens when they get sick, when they may get diagnosed with a terminal illness or other things like that may happen. So for me, I don't think it was just the timing of me being able to sit down. I wasn't able to go anywhere. I wasn't able to do anything. So I had to sit and listen. I actually just had a relative that has gone through an experience where they were in the hospital for seven months and they just had to sit there and they actually listened. And that's where their purpose was, uh, was birthed. So I think for different people, it's a different situation, but it's really just being able to be still, to listen and to be able to hear that inner guidance and figure out what's important. So, okay, that's, uh, that's actually a good strategy. But then when you did leave jail, now there was no time to sit anymore. So did, this, did you redevelop a new habit to go and run again as you used to before? Or this three years in jail allowed you to kind of like take a step back and start really analyzing things before you jump into it? How, how did you manage after leaving? So first for me, it was a rebirth. So that that three-year period was a, a spiritual rebirth for me. And so I thought differently. You know, you will never, ever outgrow your mindset. So in order to be able to do something different, you have to have a different mindset. So my mindset shifted. And what it shifted to was making sure that I was in alignment. And so understanding that every opportunity is not necessarily a God opportunity. It may be a good opportunity, but not necessarily a God opportunity. So when you start tapping into the divine, then you're able to see opportunities that are ones for you to pursue or not pursue. So just the way that I looked at things changed. I was no longer looking at things from just a revenue standpoint. I was looking at it. Am I able to offer value? Am I able to serve? And when you do that, then the revenue comes. Okay. Well, that's spoken like a true entrepreneur, but now we're known as entrepreneurs. We're known as visionaries. So we always kind of like uh, put a lot of energy in our time to be able to somewhat predict an uncertain future, uh, especially where we want to take the business, how far we want to take it, and how big we want to uh, become. Now, this vision, did, did you actually see, I mean, you talk about a divine intervention and all, did you actually see what would happen in the next few years? Did you have a clear vision in that, or was it still blurry because of the three years that you spent in jail and you were not actively in the field of entrepreneurship? So I think that I still was very active in the field of entrepreneurship just from my learning. So from day one, I continued to learn. I continued to grow. I continued to stay connected to what was going on in the field. But I think that you absolutely have to have a vision. You have to be able to see internally first before it ever manifests um, outwardly. So I had a vision of knowing that I was going to serve a lot of people, knowing that I was going to be successful. I didn't know the how, I didn't know the specifics of it, but I had a big vision. And so what happens is oftentimes as entrepreneurs, it's the visionary max with, matched with the discipline and matched with the strategy. Because if you just have a vision, it's just going to be a dream. So you That's have it. to have the discipline and the strategy behind it to execute it. And so a lot of people are waiting until they get the full vision Take the first step and then it will continue to unfold as you go. So I absolutely did not think that I would be doing what I am doing today, Mm -hmm. but I did have a vision that I was going to serve and that I took it one step at a time. Beautiful. Now, did you face any major challenges after 
you left um, the federal prison, did, did you find that other people were not going to trust you or perceive you as someone that could inspire them because of the time that you served and, oh, she must have done something bad. So we cannot really put our faith into her. Did you face those kind of challenges? So I took a different approach, right? I decided that I was going to be an entrepreneur, that I was going to work for myself and that I was going to create my own destiny and that I was going to set my path. So I didn't place myself in situations for uh, people to look at me that way. So it may have been different if I would have gone for a job and I had to you know, do a background check and all those sorts of things. But that is not what I did. I increased my skill set, I increased my value, I increased my knowledge, and so I solved problems. And so people did not care what my background was. If they had a problem, they had an issue, and I was able to solve it. So that's what I led with. I became a problem solver. I became an expert in business. Uh, I don't want to say an expert. I became a strategist in business, a strategist in branding, marketing, and sales. I learned those things inside and out, self-taught classes, workshops, seminars. And so people paid me for my knowledge, and they paid me for my results of being able to take them from where they are now to where they want it to be. So I just took a different path and a different approach. It didn't necessarily happen for others that have followed the same path, but my mindset was so much that this was a blessing in disguise. This is what needed to happen to me for me to develop, for me to grow. This is a part of my testimony. This is part of my story. And I'm going to use it and leverage it. So it was probably, you know, eight or nine years where I just really worked on rebuilding before I even started sharing my story or sharing my testimony. So now at this point, um, I've rebuilt um, I have successes. And so now is used as an inspiration to others to say, your circumstances do not determine where you're going to go in life. It's your mindset. It's your work ethic. It's your execution. That is beautiful. Like I said, this is what a lot of entrepreneurs love to listen because you see, the thing is, is that um, whatever happened in the past, most people take the past and bring them into the present and probably also into the future. So for them, because they whatever happened to them, they continue on that same path. They say, well, I already screwed up, so I'm going to continue screwing up. But for you, you completely change angle. You went 180 degrees. A lot of people will say, no, you went 360. Well, that's not true. <laughs> the because same place. <laughs> to the same point, exactly. So you won 180, you turned your life around, and you became the person that you are today. So kudos to you for that, uh, Tyrone. And so now for any entrepreneurs that just finished college or graduated well and they just don't know for them entrepreneurship is kind of like well where do I go from here I mean I, I did my bachelor in business or marketing whatever it is I finished my MBA what do I do now so uh, what would you suggest them or, or guide them to be able to you know get started and I know that every entrepreneur will tell you well just take the first step first know what you want to do who you want to serve who is your market what product or service you want to be able to develop and then go from there. Because as you said, a lot of people are dreamers, but they're not acting on their dreams. So a dream is just like the patent office. You see millions of patents and nothing is being done. You don't see all those products in the market, but for them, those who invented something, they just hope that someone's going to steal the idea so they could sue them in court. This is their strategy. But all the products that are patented are not in the market, as you can see. I went to the Alexandria patent office and I see, my God, I mean, there's millions and millions of patents, but I don't see all those products in the market. So that tells you that they're dreamers. They're not 
doing anything to follow through. So what would be your suggestion or your, I would say your advice? I think the very first thing is to do a self-assessment and you have to understand who you are and how you are wired. Are you very much, are you a risk adverse person or are you a risk taker? And then what are your responsibilities that you have? So it's different if you're a young college student, you don't have any responsibilities, you don't have any debt, you know, you're living with your parents or yes. you have money <laughs> saved up. You know, you could go out here, you could start a business, it could fail, you could take several years to learn how to do it, it's different. If you are a person that has responsibilities, you have family, family you yeah. have kids, you know, you have kids, your path may be a little bit different. I think people make entrepreneurship like it's an all or nothing thing. No, it's you figuring out the path that is best for you. So if you have financial responsibilities and you need to financially provide, maybe you want to build a business on the side, pour into yourself to learn the industry, to learn the trade, to start building the business. And then once the business is at a point where you no longer can work full-time and you're making the same amount of money or more or you have money saved up then you go into entrepreneurship if you're on the other hand and you already have some money saved up you don't have the responsibility and you want to take the leap that's different what i tell people is the most stressful thing is opening a business on, on day one and the business has to make money in order to fund your life yes. because what happens is a lot of times you have to test the market to find out what product or service do they need Correct. based on the skill set that you have. Yeah. And then even with you doing that, now you have it's going to be time for you to build up followings, build up clients to be able to support or sustain your um, life. So that is probably not, uh, you know, uh, advice that a lot of people will give or popular advice, because a lot of people are like, well, just go after your dreams, go make it happen, do it. Yeah, but you could lose your house, you know, you could lose your car. So I think that the very first thing is to do an assessment of financially where you are. Number two, what is your risk? Meaning being able to step out and not have any guarantee, you know, income. And then really looking at what is your skill set matched to a market need that people are going to pay you for. Because just because you're good at something, it doesn't mean that people are going to pay you for it. They have to need it. They have to want it. And they have to be willing to pay you for it. That, that is a good point. But then again, when you said about, um, you know, do an assessment. Now, a lot of people, when they overanalyze everything, they get scared because then they realize that, oh, I thought too much about it. And that they, they lose the passion towards it. So sometimes, you know, when, pe like, when people are undecisive or when they take when they are about to make a decision, but they think too much about that decision, they end up doing absolutely nothing. So sometimes isn't it like worth it to just, when you believe in something, just jump in it and learn as you go. I think absolutely. But again, it depends on your situation. I have seen marriages ruined because one partner, they believe they jumped in, they didn't communicate it, you know, with their family, they just quit their jobs. And it was disaster. Then I've seen other situations where they had an idea, they had the belief, they jumped out of it, the family just got on board, supported it, it turned out great. So when I say do an assessment, it is a quick assessment not to keep you stuck, <laughs> but to simply say, okay, let me look at this realistically. I am a visionary, I am a dreamer, so I am definitely going to incorporate that within my journey, but just let me do a quick assessment to figure out what is my best path. Is my best path all in right now? Now, let's go and do it or is my best path to kind of build it on the side as we go so quick assessment making sure that everybody that is involved 
you know, understands, is on the same page, and we're moving forward. Okay. Now, so nothing to get stuck. We don't want to get stuck. Exactly. That's the thing. Now, in, in business school, most teachers or most uh, instructors, they always recommend the, you know, the student or the entrepreneur to, to create a business plan, to write a business plan. In today's society, is this still a must or people can still have uh, a mind vision, know exactly in their mind what they want to do without really spending eight months to a year to write a business plan that's going to change anyway, because as you know, business plans are not set on stone. There's always some tweaking to it. So what would you recommend in that regard, uh, Tyrone? First of all, we're not spending eight months on a business plan. We're not doing that. Okay. Uh, you can simply do a one, play, one page business plan, and that is just to keep you uh, focused. And you got to understand the kind of entrepreneur that you are. You have entrepreneurs that are visionary, and you have entrepreneurs that are strategic. So the entrepreneurs that are visionary, they are jumping straight in. They're going. They're going to figure it out. They're going to um, modify on the way. Those that are strategic, they're going to need to put down that one page business plan to give them safety, to give them comfort. Mm -hmm. They're probably a little bit, you know, risk adverse. So you got to understand which one that you are. So if you try to make a visionary entrepreneur sit down, map out, they're going to lose their creativity, their zeal, their joy. Yes. Just on the other hand, if it's a strategic entrepreneur, if you try to throw them out there and tell them, get the vision and figure out along the way, then they're probably going to get stuck because they're not comfortable. So figure out which one you are and either way, execute. If you're going to, if you're strategic and you're going to do a one page business plan, take a couple of hours, kind of research, get your thoughts together and then execute. So you got to know who you are and how you operate. Does a visionary entrepreneurship versus strategic one, is there more chance of success than the other, or they're equal in terms of what can be the outcome? So what happens is normally you end up either uh, bringing on somebody to help or to support to bring you that balance. Because you're, if you're a visionary, you're going to boom, you're going to execute, you're going to be gone, you're going to do it. But a lot of the attention and details are going to yes. be left out. You're not going to have a lot of, you know, strategies and procedures, right? Mm -hmm. But you're going to bring the energy. You probably are the closer. You're going to close the sale. But then when it's time to implement the sale, the client experience, you know, may not be amazing because you're on to the next thing. The strategic person, on the other hand, they're going to be behind the scenes, making sure that all the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed, everything is done, but they're not necessarily the ones that are going to be out there marketing and exciting and sales. Mm -hmm. So for most times, you, you, when you want to grow and be successful in scale, in the beginning, you'll be doing both yourself, but you'll need to bring on somebody that complements and is able to be a strength in areas that you're not so strong in. I see. Okay. Now I've, I've spoken to a few very, very successful entrepreneurs and they all tell me the same thing and tell me if you do believe in this or it's just BS. Um, an entrepreneur, like a true entrepreneur, if let's say you take away their wealth, their mansions, their cars, their, their money in the bank and all that, in the New York second, they can, you know, they can recuperate everything versus another one that will have to go and either give up and say, well, I've made it once and it was just a pure coincidence, which was just great luck. And I do not know how to repeat the same thing to be able to get back that well. So is there luck involved in terms of that level of success or anyone that's been taking away all their money, they could re, you know, reduplicate the same process and get back the same wealth? Uh, I am an example of that. 
I was extremely successful, lost everything and rebuild it. What it is, is that sheer determination. It is that mindset. It is that will. So absolutely, they could lose everything, but they have a simple mindset of, okay, I just need to figure it out. Okay, I just need to find the right product. Okay, okay. That's why you have people that have all these inventions. And then on the 12th invention, you know, it was successful. Yes. Because they are a true entrepreneur. So I absolutely believe that. So do you have to be super stubborn to be one? <laughs> well, I would say that those people are focused. I wouldn't necessarily <laughs> say stubborn, determined. I would say that they actually uh, are determined. They know that they can be successful. They just look at it like, I just haven't found the right way yet. But if I keep, if I keep moving forward, I will eventually find the, the, right, the right path. I see, because my spouse tells me all the time that she has never met a more stubborn individual as I am. So. I didn't want to say stubborn because then I would have to say I'm stubborn. So that's why I just said determined and focused. Yes, yes. AKA that's... stubborn, AKA. Yeah, AKA, stubborn. yeah, here you go. AKA. AKA. <laughs> now, as, as an advice to um, those who have gone through a very big challenge in their life and they have lost everything as you did uh, before you were incarcerated, um, what would you tell them to how to reinvent themselves? Because you had to go through reinvention because obviously you learned the thing that you should not do again. And that's what caused you to be incarcerated and reinvent yourself on how to approach life after you left the, the jail system. So what would you suggest to them? What would you say? Well, first, don't make the same mistake again. Obviously, that's a given. But what, what kind of direction would you give them at this point? Well, so I think it really is from a standpoint of shifting from why me to what lesson do I need to learn? So it doesn't matter what circumstance, you know, that you're in. If you've lost money, if you've had a miscarriage, if someone has died, like whatever the situation is, you cannot be a victim and victorious at the same time. So if you stay in the situation of why me, even if it was something terrible that happened that was not your fault, you're going to remain in victim mode and you're not going to be able to, to get past that. But if you change it and you say, what lesson do I need to learn? Then now that opens you up for you to be able to look at it as this happened. And so now I can become better. I can become stronger with it and I can take with me the lessons that I learned. So that's step number one. Okay. I think number two, you have to grieve, right? The life that you thought that you would have had. This happens when people get divorced, yeah. right? I never expected myself to be in this situation. Oh my gosh. You have to grieve like the life that you thought that you had, that you don't have anymore. And then open yourself up to building a new life, to becoming a new version of yourself. So when you have the mindset of I can become this new version of myself, and that I can have happiness and joy and peace and prosperity. Now you open yourself up to be able to do something different, to be able to create the life that you want. So I think for people, it is shifting from life has happened to me to I get an opportunity to create the life that I want. So now it's people are in bondage because they're waiting for somebody else to do something, right? So if they're in a marriage and they got divorced and the spouse cheated on them or whatever, they're waiting for an apology or they're waiting for the other person to do something, right? So you only have control over yourself. And yeah. so when you 
grieve the life, when you learn the lesson, and then when you say, what kind of life do I create myself for myself, then now you have taken the power back and you have taken the control to understand that life does not happen to you, that you happen to life. So regardless of what situation and circumstance comes, that you can overcome it and you can overcome it and be stronger. Beautiful. Now for last question, Renee, can an entrepreneur believe in luck? Can they believe that beside their skill set, beside their determination, their persistence, their stubbornness and all that, luck still has a big part in this equation of success? So I think Oprah said it. Luck is when preparation meets opportunity. So I think what happens is when you work on yourself and you develop a certain mindset and you are vibrating at a high energy level, then you will attract those things into your life. And so I think the more that you work on yourself, the more um, positive that you are, the more that you're going to attract certain things. I don't necessarily think that it is luck. I think it is, um, it's just the universe's way of operating. So this but is, I don't necessarily think that it's luck. So it's no more the laws of attraction and action. And execution. Yep. Laws of attraction and execution. When you keep showing up, you keep executing, you keep modifying, you keep at it, it is going to happen. Exactly. Right? So a lot of people say, oh my God, that person is an overnight success. Well, they've been in it 15 years. You just <laughs> learned about them. So it wasn't luck. Yes. This is, you know, year 15. Yes. For them, that is. But for, for them. We just heard about the new, like, uh, you know, like a new product that came to the market and they made billions. It's like, oh, wow, this guy's an overnight. Overnight does not exist. Like you said. That's their 10th product. Yes. That's their 10th product. Yeah. The the thing is, people are too afraid to see the failures because failures is a sign of like weakness. But failure is actually the acronym fail is first attempt in learning. So people look at it as negative, but you have to look at it as something positive. And this is what a lot of people who, doesn't, who do not have that vision or that entrepreneur mind, that they could see this as something positive in their lives. So again, well, that is all the time that we have for today's uh, podcast, Tirone. I really do appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule to join us. And thank you again for participating and inspiring our many listeners with your incredible story. Now, we hope that you have all enjoyed today's episode, and I'm also very excited about the many upcoming guests that we have scheduled for season seven of the Happiness Journey podcast, filled with inspirational stories, just like the one that you listened to today. Now, here are some concluding words of wisdom. There are seven rules of life to abide by. One, let it go. Never ruin a good day by thinking about a bad yesterday. Two, ignore them. Don't listen to other people. Live a life that's empowering to you. Three, give it time. Time heals everything. Four, don't compare. The only person you should try to beat as the person you were yesterday. Five, stay calm. It's okay not to have everything figured out. Know that in time, you'll get there. Six, it's on you. Only you are in charge of your happiness. And finally, seven, smile. Life is too short. Enjoy it while you have it. My name is Dr. Dan Amzalag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life.